Hello and welcome to the second episode of Sierra Athletics Media Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly. Uh, but also uh, your hosts include Francis C. Harris and Charles F. Harris Jr. Welcome back. Hello, Calvin. Hello, Calvin. Okay, we're back again for our next, um, our latest episode. This week, we're going to look at the black athlete and political activism. Now, of course, uh, I think almost all of our listeners are are probably familiar with uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick, um, the the former quarterback, NFL quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, who's paid a a tremendous price uh, for... uh, protesting respectfully uh, uh, the shooting of unarmed black people. Uh, but, you know, Colin Kaepernick isn't the first black, the first black athlete to take a principal political stand. And uh, we are in uh, 2018 happens to be the 50th anniversary of probably one of the most famous acts of black protest uh, from the 1968 Mexico Olympics, John Carlos and Tommy Smith. Uh, and of course, um, uh, also on the podium with them that day, Peter Norman from uh, Australia. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, John Collis and Tommy Smith. Um, why don't you, you guys tell us a little bit about uh, uh, their background, and we'll start off with, with Francis. Well, John Carlos, the first they competed in the 200 meters at the 1968 Olympic Games, but John Carlos mm-hmm. is a native New Yorker, uh, was born in Harlem went to Manhattan Vocational High School here before uh, going to East Texas State for a year, and then San Jose State University. Uh, Tommy Smith is from Lenore, uh, well, he's from Clark, born in Clarksville, Texas, but he went to Lenore High School, Lamore High School in Lamore, California, before going to San Jose State University. And San Jose State University was known uh, as a track school. Mm. And so when they got there, they first encountered problems with housing. Uh, another great track uh, person there was Lee Evans, mm-hmm. uh, who competed in the 400 meters at the Olympic Games. And uh, Lee Evans said that uh, they, he wasn't uh, politically conscious until they had a problem finding housing for the black athletes. Mm-hmm. And the only black athletes on campus were football players, basketball players, mm-hmm. and track and field athletes. Those are the only yeah. black students. students. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So uh, uh, Harry Edwards, who uh, was working uh, said, uh, on his Ph.D., he's a yeah. discus drawer. Yeah. Uh, well, well, tell people who Harry Edwards is. Well, I know ha- it seems like yeah. we, we should all know him, but... Yeah, uh, Harry Edwards has always been at the forefront of uh, political activism with regard to the uh, uh, black athlete. Hmm. And uh, the, uh, the uh, project that they started was the Olympic Project of Human Rights, the OPHR. And Harry called all the athletes together, and Lee Evans uh, approached him and told him about the problems they were having with the housing. And uh, he called a meeting of all the athletes and they created the uh, OPHR. And uh, that's how it started. Leland said, you know, this uh, just started because we had problems getting housing. And so uh, 
from there, they came up with an agenda. First, they wanted all black athletes to boycott mm -hmm. the Olympics. This mm -hmm. was in 1967. Let, let me jump in just for a second here because I just want our listeners to realize that, you know, and we, we emphasized this in the last episode, all of the stuff we're talking about is taking place in the middle of Jim Crow, mm -hmm. a vicious Jim Crow. Yes. This is in the 1960s, yes. and, and black people in America are still dealing with this BS. Yes. Uh, and we're talking now here at a major university. Mm -hmm. They're still dealing with this kind of BS. Yes. So, but but the, before we get into to the the OPHR, I do want to make let you what was going on in 1968. Well, well, I mean, that was a tumultuous year yes, it was. for yes. political confrontation. Well, you started off in uh, January, late January of 1968. Uh, the Tet Offensive started. Uh, that was probably the biggest military of, of campaigns of the Vietnam War. Uh, that started, and then April of 68, you had the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which set off riots in almost mm -hmm. every major city. I mean, Washington, D.C., is, as you know. As uh, I know, I was there. Yeah, they, they are, you know, basically, uh. you know, uh, of recovering now with the gentrification. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but for a long yeah. time, like when my brother and, mm. and I, we moved down there with our parents, uh, there were sections of Washington, especially on 8th Street. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. You know. Or and I, I lived in far northeast at mm -hmm. the time, man, mm -hmm. all out Benning Road. I yeah, mean, yeah. The, I mean, the, there were the blocks uh -huh. for blocks uh -huh. were burned to the ground. Uh -huh. I remember the National Guard was out, mm -hmm. and, you know, people were looting. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was... It was a crazy time. Well, at that time, we we were living in Brooklyn, and there were places on Fulton Street in Brooklyn that yeah. were just, you know, people were just tearing up. That, I think, started the whole uh, merchants putting on the iron uh, garters on the uh, front of mm -hmm. the stores because the gates, the, the crowds just ripped the gates yeah. right off and went in and looted. And, went, and that same was up in Harlem. So uh, you, you follow that with June of '68 and the assassination of Robert Kennedy. You yeah. know that 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 kicked it off, and then the Democratic National Convention. Oh, yeah. that was in Chicago yeah. that year. I mean, there was rioting mm. and, and 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 police brutality around the streets. Mm. So '68 was very volatile, and under this was the the why I think well the Olympic human uh, project was started. Uh, in 67, that was when they first talked about it, mm -hmm. but uh, it was just, uh, America was a powder keg. Yes. And so under it was under this time frame that uh, I guess it was a need, uh, of course it was a need, for black athletes to speak about the poverty and the project, the problems that were African Americans were accounting mm -hmm. at that time. So yeah, so tell us a little bit more about the uh, Olympic Project for Human Rights. It had five demands. Yes. And I, I think they're very interesting. Well, the first was they wanted to restore Muhammad Ali's title. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, uh, he had been stripped of his title mm -hmm. in June of 1967 for refusal to fight in the Vietnam War. And we didn't mention it. The Vietnam War is going on while this is going yeah. on, too. And that's yeah. great. people yeah. raising hell about that, too. Yeah. yeah, so that was one of them. And then they wanted uh, Avery Brundage at the time, who was the uh, head of the United States Olympic Committee. And a lot of people felt, and it's been proven, that he was a devout, devout racist. Oh, yeah. He was the man that was... Uh, uh, okayed the deal for the 1936 Olympics to be held in Berlin, Germany. Yeah. And uh, we made a deal with Adolf Hitler. 
so they, you, you know, they had that, and then they wanted to disinvite South Africa and Rhodesia from the Olympic Games, and I don't have to tell you yeah. what that was about. And then mm-hmm. they wanted to boycott the New York Athletic Club. And, and for people who don't know what the New York Athletic Club is, I mean, it's a very uh, exclusive athletic club here in New York City. That one doesn't uh, exist anymore. Oh, it, yeah. I thought, isn't it still up on is Central it, Park? Oh, the building is the up building there. The building is still up there. So it, it doesn't really exist? I mean, I haven't heard anybody talking about Because I've been there. I don't know. I, I don't think it functions like it did. Yeah, yeah I don't think um, it It's more like a private but, but, yeah. club where you can go and play squash or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do remember... Not, it doesn't have the same, you know... No, it, no not like it used climb. to. Yeah. Because there used to be press conferences there yeah, and whatnot. Be, and you can also about, stay there. People can, yeah. do it, you know, spend the night there and whatever. Yeah. But it was notorious for, uh, mostly for Jim Crow, mm-hmm. with black people, and mm-hmm. excluding Jews. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, and the final um, uh, demand that was in his plan. Hire more black coaches on yeah. a, a, a level like across the board. I'm talking mm-hmm. about college and professional mm-hmm. sports because there were none. Yeah. Another point. fight that I, still I, seems yeah. to be going on. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, how many, not like it was then. Yeah, no, I mean, not 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 definitely, but there yeah. were no Division One yeah. coaches yeah. that were black. You know, the few assistants. Yeah, you know, and definitely not in the National Football League. Yeah, yeah. absolutely not. Uh, okay, so that was the uh, the Olympic Project for Human Rights. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this, of course, totally freaked out. Avery Brundage and the Olympic <laughs> Committee. And it's interesting, I don't know if you saw this, I, I found this story online uh, that I didn't even know about, about the Harvard rowing crew. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. The, you know, uh, clearly Harvard students, you know, fairly privileged, mm-hmm. uh, white students who really took up the cause yes. of the OPHR. Yes. Uh, um, and to the point where the Harvard was almost eliminated from competing, because in those days, the college crews actually... In the regatta. In the regatta. They yeah. actually um, went and then, then uh, competed mm-hmm. to see which crew would represent the U.S. in the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Syracuse, Harvard, Yale, mm-hmm. only the elite universities, yeah. and also a lot of the elite universities on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So that was a big... And that stretches back really to the 19... Uh, Teams, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But it was very interesting. They, uh, the, the Olympic Committee, I mean, people have no idea how the, um, the backlash against, mm-hmm. uh, uh, against the white athletes. So, and so you know that the black athletes are going to be, it's going to be even tougher. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to that right now. So, so, um, uh, so, let's talk a little bit about what happened on that day in 1968 uh, after the competition. Chuck, do you want to take that? Well, uh, a lot of the, um, the tr- first of all, let's start with Tommy uh, Smith and let's go with uh, John Carlos. Of course, Tommy Smith and John Carlos competing in 200 meters. Um, they had run the 200 meters while at uh, San Jose State. Uh, they were very good at that. And so they competed uh, on, on, in the 200 meters race on October 16, mm-hmm. 1968. And um, Tommy Smith actually won the race, and John Carlos came in third place. Peter Norman of Australia came in second place. So when the athletes uh, were about to receive their uh, their medals, they decided to uh, go shoeless, and they decided to wear the black armbands. As everybody knows, 
which is now a very famous mm-hmm. photograph. In the black gloves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Smith also wore a black scarf around his neck, and uh, John Carlos wore beads as a reminding of the lynching of African Americans mm-hmm. at that time. Um, Norman was also noted as to have on an OPHR button yeah. on his yeah. chest as well. So, um, obviously, this brought uh, much outrage when uh, the national anthem was played, yeah. and, the two, and the athletes stood on the podium with their fists raised with the black gloves on. Uh, their symbol was to uh, show the oppression of black people in America as well as part of the black power movement mm-hmm. at that time. So uh, at the time, it was a very, very powerful message that was sent across, across the board. And as an old dude, I'm here, here to tell you, who was, not a, who was a young dude in those days, that thing, I remember seeing that, and, and I was just saying, right on. I just thought it was one of the most courageous yeah. things. Um, yeah, sports has that ability to focus the mind, both on the event itself and on the social context. And that remains to this day really one of the most extraordinarily courageous and iconic acts of protest. Oh, well, I think that another thing is, at that particular time, ABC broadcast the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, everybody... Now, the track and field events modern-day, people don't really focus on them. They look at them. Yeah, the track events. and field. Track and field is not, not like it used yeah, to be. But track yeah. and field at that time, and I guess probably since the 20s and the 30s, and uh, from the 20s on down the line, the Olympic track events, and I, I'm assuming when they started televising it was mm. also, were just a big thing. So okay. everybody just looked at the 100-yard dash, the 200 meters, the 400 The sprinters meters. especially. Yeah, they mm. always looked at that. So that... I I would think both men realized that the eyes of the world mm. and definitely in the United States was going to be on them and it being televised. Yeah. You know, and so Smith was interviewed by Howard Cosell who was, you know, the big gun for mm-hmm. ABC at the particular time, but I just think that it just there are things that uh, sporting events, there are things that you watch and they're live and they stick out. And if you're there and you're watching, it's just like Bob Beeman bringing mm-hmm. the high jump record. Yeah. And when, when you were sitting at a TV and you're looking in the sky soaring through the air, I mean, you never forget it. Yeah. And I think that that was probably the biggest thing. I mean, people sitting at home, mm-hmm. you know, watching these guys, you know, uh, standing on the, on the podium and what have you, getting the ring ceremony, and them raising, you know, black power, that, that, that struck fear. The American, you know, it did. It did. Well, that was the reaction of white America, very uh, in in particular to that gesture, Mm -hmm. and of course, uh, um, the reaction of the Olympic Committee, yeah, uh, and Avery Brundage. Well, they they were immediately, you know, Brundage was like, well, and the irony is that Brundage was not there. Oh, he wasn't. Uh He was not in the Olympic Village. He was somewhere. uh, He wasn't even in Mexico. And uh, they were told to get up, leave the Olympic Village yeah. uh, by the second in command, whoever it was. Mm-hmm. They were they could not. Their press credentials were taken away from mm-hmm. them. You know, they had forty eight hours to get out yeah. Yeah. of town. You know, and uh, they and uh, some of the, from my understanding, some of the black athletes were where we're going to leave. We're not going to compete. Mm-hmm. And Carlos and uh, Smith said no. You yeah. guys have to stay here. You have to compete. 
you know. And, you know I think I, I was reading that, that some of the athletes tried to do smaller yeah, symbolic right. gestures. Well, I think Bob Beeman did Bob something. Beeman had one of his legs was uh, barefoot. Yeah, he really pulled. Barefoot yeah, showed him his black yeah, socks. And this, that, the yeah, other. yeah. And Wyoming, tie, Wyoming or Tyus mm -hmm. did something. So, you know, it was a, a, a really a silent protest, but I don't think Carlos and Smith wanted, they didn't want to be yeah. the focus. Yeah. You know. Well, that they're they're as 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 celebrated as they were in the black community, they faced a hard time uh, oh, coming back yeah. when they got back to the U.S. Yeah. I mean, and, we, and this is something uh, as celebrated as they are today. Yeah. Well, you know, the, um, the, yeah, the climate always changed. It was, yes, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, Smith went back and earned uh, or earned a master's degree and what have you, and for a while he coached at Oberlin, coached track. Well, he first he tried out with the Bengals. Mm -hmm. He was uh, a wide receiver, yeah, and uh, he was on the practice squad for like two years, and then he went back to school. Mm -hmm. uh, he got uh, his master's, I said, and then he coached track and field in Oberlin mm -hmm. for quite a long time, mm -hmm. um, almost fourteen years, and then he went back to Santa Monica College because he had gone to junior college prior to going to uh, San Jose State. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't that good, you know, yeah. for Carlos. Yeah, I mean he. Couldn't hold a job. Yeah, no, it's really terrible. The, yeah, the, yeah, the persecution that he put up. Yeah, and then his wife committed suicide. Yeah, you know, uh, really terrible. Pressures that mm. you know. He, he could. He worked a, a number of jobs. No, I remember reading yeah. where he said he would do anything. Yeah, you, you know? know, and so that was a way he didn't. I remember reading that he said, you know, he didn't realize how deeply uh, it affected other people. Yeah. You know, that they really, for a long time, you would think, you know, something like that uh, would die down. But people seem to be, you know, uh, hold that against him. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting also to point out that um, a lot of the athletes felt that Harry Edwards was the one that benefited more so mm -hmm. from the initial protests that he went on to teach at various colleges yeah. on the Pacific Coast, mm -hmm. whereas Carlos and Smith were hard at finding jobs. So yeah. a lot of people were kind of not very uh, fond of the fact that Edwards was able to to, get mm -hmm. to move on and do other things, and on the professional ranks as well. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, that point that you made, uh, a, a very well-known basketball coach who my brother and I, I'm, I, I don't want to, you know, say That's it, fine. <laughs> but uh, who my brother and I spent like a day with. Uh -huh. And uh, one of the things that he said uh, was that Carlos and, and uh, John Carlos and Tommy Smith had been used by Harry Edwards. Hmm. And he said that, you know, it was really sad because these guys, he, Edwards benefited yeah. from it. And these mm -hmm. guys went through everything that mm -hmm. they went through. I mean, Smith went through some stuff, but I think Smith chose to go back to school mm -hmm. and, and get an education. And, you know, Oberlin for those 14 mm -hmm. years. And, and, you know, by the time he was at Oberlin, it, you know, he got the job at Santa Monica College. I find it so ironic that both of these guys are in the uh, National Track and Field Hall of Fame. You know, mm. no, it took some time. It took some time, and you know. and unfortunately, uh, they seem to be 
uh, actually now reaping some benefits yeah, yeah. from, uh, you know, I, I, actually, it's interesting, this year, mm-hmm. right. um, actually, Tommy Smith is going to be doing a graphic novel biography, <laughs> a graphic <laughs> yeah. biography, because yeah. um, I wrote the story about it, uh-huh. so, <laughs> so, I mean, it's good to see that, uh, obviously, these guys are, are heroes, I mean, you can look back on history and maybe not see or create a a level of uh, animosity on historical events that mm-hmm. I'm not sure is always there. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly Harry Edwards has been and certainly out in front of the black political protest on the athletic front forever since then. So, but this in some ways brings us back to where we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin Kaepernick and his um, his protest, his act of, of, of principle uh, uh, that is constantly distorted by uh, other forces <laughs> yes. uh, into somehow uh, a protest against um, the murder of black people, uh, support of Black Lives Matter, and denouncing of the, the killing of unarmed black people uh, and by police officers in some cases uh, and by the old general violence against yeah. black people in this country. Yeah. Uh, and we see this in other areas. Mm-hmm. But, you know, let's very quickly look back on uh, Colin Kaepernick's career mm-hmm. because, I mean, he's a very interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I find it so ironic. I, I read an article today that said there have been since because uh, Colin Kaepernick has, you know, was released uh, March, uh, what is it, 2017 mm-hmm. uh, from the 49ers. And there have been 85 quarterbacks <laughs> that have either played yep. or been signed since he's been released. Yeah. yeah. And I just find it, it's, it's, it's stunning. A Super Bowl quarterback. Yeah, quarterback a Super Bowl winning quarterback, yeah, mind you. No, you know, and, and, and what? Two no, NFC no, championships? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They lost a Super Bowl. They lost a Super Bowl. No, excuse me. They lost it. That's right. But he took them to a Super Bowl. Right. Took them to a Super Bowl. And he took them to an NFC championship. That's correct. That's correct. Once or twice. I, I'm I confused. Twice. I, think it was, I think he took them to an NFC uh, cha- championship twice. Yeah. And, you know, for a time there, he was the, he was he the, was the perfect guy. quarterback in a certain... Yeah. Offensive scheme, yeah, right. you know, particularly that read option but, screen. But they're not eighty-five quarterbacks yeah. better than that are better than Kyle <laughs> You know, you and, can't, and, and we just recently yeah, saw yeah. Uh, the Redskins. Yeah, I right. mean, as oh. you know, so there's some yeah. Giants fan in the room yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not all Giants fans, but but there's some Giants fans in the room. And um, really, Mark Sanchez yeah. is a better option yeah. than I mean, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. I mean, or even Josh, uh, what's the guy's Josh, Josh Johnson? Josh Johnson, Johnson. Johnson. And who actually played well. Yeah, and hadn't played in almost two years. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And you no know, knock on the brother, but they would rather a quarterback who hasn't thrown a, a pass in, what, five years yeah, right. than well, I think Carlin that, Kaepernick. Well, I think it bodes well for the lawsuit that Kaepernick has. And yes. I think just the NFL owners figured, you're talking about a billion-dollar industry. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to sign it. They would rather... The most I figure, even their thinking is, what if we lose a lawsuit? We lose a lawsuit, we'll have to pay him what twenty five million. Yeah, well, million. that's yeah, yeah, you know, whatever, or the, whatever he lost beer money in the, in the NFL. Yeah, the, the, yeah, whatever he lost for, from the time, say March of uh, from the two thousand and sixteen seasons to now, or yeah. whatever, they'll pay. And they'll pay the penalties, mm-hmm. but he won't get in. Yeah, you know, and I. Uh, it's it's obvious 
that there's collusion going on. Oh, there's no doubt about, about it. it. He's I mean, being blacklisted. Yeah. There's no question there's about no it. There's no question about it. Uh, so it, 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 it's sad in a way. It, I'm sure we're going to look back much like we looked at uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos now. We're going to look back on this maybe. If they're looking at it now and they know it's collusion. So I'm sure five or ten years from now, they're going to look back at it and they're going to say, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they're probably going to get some owner at a later date 10 or 15 years after they settle this lawsuit, mm-hmm. 10 or 15 years down the line and say, yeah. Yeah. We, we, I, I, I think we tend to look at this also that Colin Kaepernick is sort of the modern day Kurt Flood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Modern day Muhammad Ali. Yeah. You know, who was stripped of his title mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't able to box for three years mm-hmm. uh, and many different athletes. And, uh, Overall, I think that he will be a symbol of this now. Whether he gets a chance to play in the National Football League is anyone's guess. Yeah. You know, but it's it's true. He is being blacklisted. Uh, and I think that the owners are going to have to seriously look at this down the road uh, of how they handle situations like this in yeah. regard to um, other athletes. Uh, well, you know, as we said, starting off, you know, obviously Colin Kaepernick uh, wasn't the first black a- athlete to do this. I guess all athletes, um, you know, stand in the shadow of Jackie Robinson, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, uh, but and we, we see it throughout the contemporary sports culture. Um, uh, we saw it with the, uh, the we Eric Garner protests mm-hmm. uh, several years ago. Yeah. The uh, I Can't Breathe t-shirt. Uh, the, yeah, uh, both. Not just the uh, the NFL athletes and the NBA athletes, but also the WNBA. Correct. Uh, and as I recall, they were actually at one point the WNBA um, women were fined mm-hmm. for wearing their protest mm-hmm. T-shirts. And uh, I mean, it was a, a number of teams. I mean, it was the New York Liberty, Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix, um, uh, the Phoenix Mercury, the Minnesota Lynx, uh, uh, athletes like Tina Charles, I, I believe even Sue Bird, mm-hmm. Natasha Cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanisha Wright also here in New York. So um, besides the Dirk Roses and the LeBrons, mm-hmm. so um, um, you know this is a, a tradition thrust upon the black athlete mm-hmm. because of our our our, our unfortunately sometimes <laughs> yes. you know we're unique in a lot of ways, but unfortunately this is the we're, we're unique, uniquely oppressed. Uh, so uh, this is um, uh, a burden uh, that these athletes take on because. They know they're part of a community, mm-hmm. and right. they they realize that they've got to step up. Mm-hmm. So, hey, th- um, this is um, uh, another episode. Uh, I think we're going to bring it to a close here. Okay. Um, don't forget, we'll be back with more tales uh, of black athletes. And I should also re- make sure we remind all of these podcasts uh, are, are based on the research done in the pictorial history of the African-American athlete. And we talked about the beginning of this work uh, in the last episode, and we will return to talking more about it again in the future. Hmm. So uh, uh, thanks, thanks much, you guys. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you very much, All right. And, um, you know, we'll be back again with more episodes of The, the Black Athlete. Of course. Definitely. Definitely.